Nehemiah chapter 8 is where we're going to be today. So if you've got your Bibles, open them right up to there. Nehemiah chapter 8. My message today is called the joy factor. The joy factor. Everybody say the word joy. joy. All right. Now say the word joy like you actually have some joy. joy. All right. We're getting there. We're getting there. The joy factor. I want to, I, 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 before I say this, I, I just want to say one more thing. Not about the previous topic. No, no. Um, one more thing. So many of you um, are, are inviting people consistently. Have you noticed that our service has been growing? I mean, we're, we're, we're starting just, we, we just got like one and a half sections to go. And then we're filled. And, um, and I just want to applaud all of you. I mean, I'm not really like physically applauding, but you know, in my heart and my spirit I am. And, uh, and, and really want to continue to encourage you. You're doing great. And uh, we're seeing many people come to meet Jesus and great things that are happening. And um, just God has been good to us, has he not? Very, very good to us. Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy factor. A couple things before I get into this. Um, just so you know, in the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Bible is what we call the Old Testament. Um, the Hebrew Bible has the book of Ezra, which we preached on before the book of Nehemiah, and the book of Nehemiah as only one book. We as evangelicals have them separated into two, but historically it was only one book, and it was actually the whole thing was called Ezra. And the reason why that's important to understand is there's actually what I believe to be a flow of thought throughout the entire thing, starting with Ezra, but ending in Nehemiah. And, and starting with Ezra, what was restored at, at the beginning was worship. Everybody say that word, worship. That was the first thing that was restored. Then after that, Nehemiah shows up, and what Nehemiah restored was the protection. Everybody say protection. That, that, that's when he built the walls and the gates. I preached on that last week, talking about steps to victory in our lives. And so worship was restored first, and protection was restored second. And then third, something else was restored, and I'm not telling you yet. You'll just have to listen to the message. So, so we start with worship, and then we get to protection. God's people were protected. But then something else kind of closes it all up and provides or brings a complete package. And that's what we're going to get into in Nehemiah chapter 8 today. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people, it says, assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. If we can get the verse, that would be fantastic on the screen. There we go. Uh, no, verse one, if we could. Um, just inside the water gate. So, so all the people that were there, now, now remember, these were people that had returned to Jerusalem after being essentially in captivity and exile. And so they've come back to Jerusalem. They have restored the worship. They have restored the, the walls and the gates around the city. And now all the people assembled together with a unified purpose. They had one purpose. So the question is, what was their purpose? Why were they together? The answer, they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel 
to obey. So they bring out that they didn't have the advantage of the entire Bible like you and I have from Genesis to Revelation. They just mainly had what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Then you've got uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and those five. And, 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 and so they bring out the book of the law and, and they want to hear Ezra read the book. So in verse 2. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included, I want you to see this, it included the men, and who else? Women, and who else? And all the children who were old enough to understand. So not all the kids, right? The two-year-olds probably weren't there. They had a babysitter or somebody. Um, but, but, but the kids who were old enough to understand they came as well. So, so I want you to see this. The men and the women and the kids who could understand all came together in Jerusalem. Why? Because they wanted to hear the word of God. I want you to think about that because most of the time if your family gets together and you have a conversation about what you want to do, it's like, can we go to Disneyland? Or it's like, can we see Jurassic Park? That's what's been going on in my family recently. Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, right? Um, um, good movie. Top Gun. If you watched, Top Gun was amazing. Great movie. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. Anyway, so, so, so we think about all these things that we want to do, right? But, but I am amazed by these people because they got together because they wanted to hear the word of God, they had a heart, a hunger for God's word. And I don't know about you, but I want the God to develop that heart inside of me as well. Is anybody with me in saying to God right now, God, would you give me a heart for your word? Would you say that to God? Give me a heart. Give me hunger for your word, Lord Jesus. How many say amen to that? And, um, and, and that's what they had. And I love this. I love this about them. So then it says this, he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. Now, I don't know what you consider early morning. Um, you know, for some of you that you're the early risers, six is like normal. So early morning for you is like three in the morning. For other ones of you, early morning, because you wake up at like, 12, early morning is 10 in the morning. Um, but but I'm, I'm going to kind of make a guess here and say that early morning was most likely around 6 or 7 in the morning. Can we go with that? Does that work for everybody? So, so they just had a church service that went for about six hours. I was thinking that's a pretty good idea. So we got four services and if we do six hours per service, that would be 24 hours. So we could start the first one at midnight Saturday night and end the last one at midnight Sunday night. Sound like a plan to everybody? Yeah, you, you, you down with that? Six hour services starting next week? Yeah. 
let me be clear, obviously, that they uh, didn't have access to their own Bibles at that time, right? So when they came together, they came together because there were a limited number of scrolls, a limited number of the Word of God written down. And so they had to come to one place to hear it all. But let me be clear, I, I, I think the message that God would love to send to us is that you and I have access to the Word all the time, right? And that we would be the types of people with our families as well that would constantly be coming back to the word of God in our lives. Don't just wait for Sunday. No, this is an all the time, every day type of thing for you and for me. Man, they didn't have access to their own Bibles, but you and I do. And if you don't have this one, you got on your phone. And so whatever way you do it, let's be a people that engage the word of God consistently in our lives and give time to his word in our lives. So Ezra reads it and it says this in verse four. Uh, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hokiah, and Messiah. To his left stood Padiah, Mishael, Melchizedek, Hashum, Hashpadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And if any person knows all of these names in the right way to say them, give me some grace, okay? <laughs> Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, read it with me, what does it say? They all rose to their feet. I want you to see something here. They all rose to their feet to listen to the word of God. But it doesn't stop there. Then it says, then Ezra praised the Lord the great God, and all the people chanted, what did they chant? Amen, amen, as they did what? Lifted up their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You know, a lot of people, when they talk about Christianity, and um, let me be clear, I, I got a main concept I, I want to get to. Th this is not it, but this passage has so many amazing things to share that, that, that I just, I, I love it, and it's got to be shared. A lot of people, when they think about Christianity, will we'll say things like this, Christianity is not a re religion, it's a, anybody know? relationship. It's a relationship with God. And yes, it absolutely is. I know no doubt about it, that it is about walking in a relationship and in intimacy with God. Does anybody say amen to that? Amen. And when you begin to think about religions around the world, you, you recognize that there's certain things that mark them in terms of kind of like traditions and things that they do. For example, Muslim people will pray typically five times a day, no matter where they are, if they're at work or if they're at home or wherever they might find themselves at the mosque, and they will face towards Mecca and they will pray five times a day. And there is this, this physical worship. Everybody say it with me. Physical worship. And a lot of times in Christianity, we don't put a really big attention on that because we're like, yeah, Christianity is not all about the tradition and all about those types of things. And yeah, it's correct to a certain level. But I want to push all of you. Can I push all of you? 
Now, I want to push all of you towards something. Let me be clear. This is not a legalistic requirement. I'm not going to tell you, all right, here's what you got to do. You got to say at least 20 amens per day. And if you hit 19, you are in rebellion against God. Some people are like, are you serious? No, like it's a joke, chill. We're all okay. You know, or, or you got to bow down at least five times a day. Or you got to, no, no, no. This is not some legalistic requirement. But let me tell you that I believe that if you begin to express your worship to God using your body, yes, you will get to a level of freedom in your life that you have not experienced before. Let me be very clear about that. So when Ezra reads the word of God, what does everybody do? They stand up. They have a physical response to the word of God. But it doesn't end there. Then all of a sudden, Ezra praises the Lord and the people chanted, amen, amen. So they open their mouths and they start to speak. If you ever wonder why it is I have you repeat so many things. And you think like, what did he just, he has us always repeating back to him. Absolutely. It's not for me. It's so you would begin to break the barriers of silence in how you respond to God in your life. Because if you would begin to break that and start to respond vocally to the Lord. Listen, if you stay silent in church, I guarantee you that when you're confronted with difficulty in the world, you're not going to start speaking. But if you learn to open your voice here, it's more likely you'll open your voice out there. And, 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 and they didn't just stop there. Then they lifted their what? Hands. Oh, man, some of you, you're like, fine. No judgment, okay? But, but you know, maybe you just, you know, you, you're just like, I, I don't know if I can get that, get that hand up, you know? Okay, fine. And start easy, you know, do this. You know, they're kind of like facing forward, you know, towards God. Even though, and, then, and then after you've done that, then maybe, you know, because if it's right here, nobody sees you still. You're good. You're good. You're protected. All right. It's all, and then you just go from there. And then eventually you'll be like one of those crazy people swaying back and forth with their hands raised. And you're like, I never thought I'd become one of them. <laughs> but let me tell you, that there is a barrier that you need to break in your physical worship that will lead to a level of freedom in your life if you would work through that and begin to respond with your voice, with your hands, kneeling down, standing up, all in honor to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings because he is worthy of all of our worship, worthy of it all. And so I practice many of these things regularly in my own prayer time, from lifting my hands in worship to kneeling down before the Lord, because those types of things set my heart right where it needs to be. And it's so good for us. It says this then, the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hadiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jezebad, Hanan, and Peliah, then instructed the people in the law 
while everyone remained in their places. So understand, Ezra did not read the Bible for six hours. He read the word of God, he read the law, and then all of these Levites were like on rotation preaching the word of God. And this is important. This is why we believe in preaching. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we believe in bringing the word of God, not just reading it, but explaining it so everybody understands what it means. In fact, it says in verse eight, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained. Everybody say that. Clearly explained. They explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Let me tell you, I don't get just impressed by people that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but I'm really impressed by people that have a lot of Bible knowledge that know how to explain it in a way that I can understand, right? And there's some great teachers of the Word of God you can listen to on the radio and, and whatnot, but let me be clear, that's important for us here at Vida Church as well, is to, yes, be deep in the Word of God, but to always explain it in a way that people can understand. The Nehemiah, says the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and I want to tell you right now that I'm getting to where I want to go, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, everybody read this little part with me, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Read it one more time. Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Today, the Lord has given me an assignment. This message is not just a normal message. I mean, the message is probably normal, but, but there's a specific thing that I know God wants to do today. And there's a freedom that God wants to give to some people today, and he's going to do it. Um, he's already done it in two services, and um, he's going to do it in this one too. And, and, and that God is going to lead many of you into today. You know, I said that at the beginning, Ezra, the book of Ezra, what was restored first was worship. Everybody say it one more time, worship. Then after worship was restored, the second thing that was restored was protection for the city. But then there was a third thing that was restored afterwards. And it's really interesting because it was actually one of the missing components in the life of the people of Israel before the exile. It was one, well, it was many commandments uh, in different forms, but one idea that they continuously failed on. And I believe that their failure in this one area is actually what led to their failure in just about all the other areas. So the question is, why was everybody mourning and weeping? When they're sitting there or standing there listening to the teaching of the word of God, why were they mourning and weeping? I'll explain why. After the people had returned to the promised land, and you can read this in Ezra, when they first heard the word of God, again, now back in the promised land, they started mourning and weeping. What was going on? Well, there were two things happening. They recognized, first of all, that the, the, their ancestors had messed up completely. And so they were broken. 
because broken before the Lord because of that which had happened. But then they also realized, and this is important, they also realized that they were breaking God's word and God's law. As they sat there and listened to the word of God, when they first came back, they realized that they weren't obeying the word of God. In fact, you heard this in one of the recent messages, how what had happened, one of the things that happened was they were marrying, the guys were marrying foreign wives from other nations, and they were breaking what God had told them to do. And so when they heard the word of God, they would mourn and weep. And let me be clear before I get to where I'm going. It is absolutely, absolutely legitimate and biblically correct that when you have broken the rules of God or when you have walked in disobedience of God that you feel bad about it. Can we agree on that? Yeah, of course. It's normal. That if you have broken, if you have disobeyed God, that, that you would have a heart that is broken as a result of that when you realize your error, when you realize your mistake, and there's a brokenness that comes into you that goes, God, I completely screwed up. God, I absolutely failed. And it is okay. And it's okay if tears come with that. It's okay if there's mourning with that. It's okay if there's weeping with that. Because God is holy and he is worthy of our utmost obedience. Is anybody with me in that? In fact, I would question your heart or my heart with the Lord if we weren't ever broken before him when we find ourselves in places of disobedience. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. But the question is, right here in chapter 8, why were they mourning and weeping this time? And I'm going to tell you why. You see, because they heard the word of God that Ezra was speaking. And they were mourning and weeping, and this is important, track with me here. They were mourning and weeping over their sins, which were now, watch this, past sins, not present sins. Meaning that they were still in brokenness over their mistakes, not from the present, but their mistakes from the what? Past. This is absolutely important to get. And there are some people in this room right now that are walking in this kind of spiritual depression where you are still broken up about your own mistakes from 10 years ago. God, I'm such a failure. God, I just, I, I, I've messed up so much. God, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm just such a horrible human being and I just, man, I, I can't, you know, I just, I, I, I haven't gotten it right. No, listen, these people, they had already restored their worship. We talked about that a few weeks ago. They had already gotten right with God. Their tears previously were necessary. But they had already gotten right with God. And then they had restored the protection. So why are they still crying when they hear the word of God? Because they were still broken over their past mistakes 
And some of you are in this room right now and you are still broken over your past failures and I believe God is going to free you from that today. Because let me tell you something. I'm sure that when you show up to church and you look at me, you normally see me as a pretty happy person. Now, there's moments where you might see me serious. And and some people come up to me and go, Pastor Jeff, why so serious? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just thinking about 20 different things, that's all. But I'm happy, I promise you. I'm happy, it's all good. But but I, I am normally a very happy person. I have made my share of mistakes. I have screwed up big time like all of you. Any big screw-ups in the room? I'm just making sure I'm not the only one. All right. But let me tell you something. I walk in the joy of this truth that the blood of Jesus has washed away every single one of my sins. Every single one. And so I stand in the joy of God. And yes, when I mess up, I will and I should be broken, but I will be broken only for a moment. Can somebody say it with me? For a what? A moment. Your brokenness is not a continuous state of being for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's a moment and an important one. But the problem with the people of Israel here is they were remaining in their brokenness from the past. And so Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites all get up and tell them, stop it. Stop mourning. Stop weeping. And then they said this. I I love this. I love this verse. Then they said, for today is a sacred day. Can everybody read that part with me? For today is a sacred day. That, that, that word sacred, just so you know, is the word holy. <laughs> but for a lot of us in this room, when you think about holy, and, and I'm talking right now even to, or especially to believers that have walked with Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years, and when you think of the word holy, you think of something serious. Do you not? You think, oh, God is holy, and yes, he is. And God must be respected and honored, and yes, he should be, absolutely. But when you typically think about a holy God or a holy situation, a holy place, you think of a very serious type of thing, correct, yes or no? But I want you to change your mind about something. While all of that is true, All of that is not the the complete truth. For today is a sacred day, or today is a holy day, a day set apart before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, so if this is a sacred day, if it's a holy day, then he goes, go, See it? And do what? Oh, go and have a party, my friends. Go and be happy. 
Because if worship has been restored, the end goal of God with you is that you and I would celebrate Him. That we would walk in the joy of God in our lives. That we would find pleasure in Him as He finds pleasure in us. That is our end, is to party with our Father. That is our end. He goes, go and celebrate with the feast. The feast is an Old Testament word for buffet. Go and celebrate with the feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day. This holy day is for celebration. Stop taking it so seriously, he's telling the people. Have a good time. There are sacred things of God that are designed for celebration and for joy and for the goodness of God. So don't be dejected and sad. And everybody read the last line with me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, there's a whole lot of you in this room that know that part of the verse. You didn't even know where it was from. You're like, somewhere in the Bible, but I know it. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. But here's, here's what I want to tell you. What you maybe didn't know is what story that part was a part of. Because what he's declaring to the people, hear me on this, is that your continuous spiritual depression will only make you weaker. But if you want to be strong in the Lord, you must move from mourning into celebration because it is only at the point of celebration in the joy of God where you begin to walk in the strength of God in your life. That is where it's at. And that is what God is inviting all of us into. And it says in verse 11, And the Levites, too, quieted the people, telling them, what word is it? Hush. That's the Old Testament word for shut up. Don't weep. For this is a sacred day. Could you ever imagine that God would say, here's a sacred day, so stop crying. Here's a sacred holy day, so start having a good time. But that is exactly what he is saying to us. So it says the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's words and understood them and when you hear the word of God let me tell you man my, my hope for you even every Sunday is as you hear the word of God and understand it that you would walk out of here with joy every single Sunday 
Oh, even if we got to deal with something tough and something hard, but my hope is the same, that you walk out every Sunday out of these doors with joy because when you get more and more of his word into you, it is not to make you depressed. It's not for you to just focus on all that is wrong. It is for you to celebrate in this good God who loves you so much and wants us to enjoy our lives with him. That's where it's at. And so with that, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do, at least not in this way. And um, this invitation I'm going to make to all of you is actually not for all of you. Some of you are in this room and you don't need to respond to this. You are living and walking in the joy of God And so this isn't for you right now. And praise God that you are. It's fantastic. And I rejoice with you if you are walking in the joy of God. But there are some people in this room right now that you have been living in the mourning, the weeping, the brokenness, the shame, the guilt of your past mistakes. And God is telling you, shut up and start having a party. And he is inviting you to cross the line from mourning into dancing, from depression into joy, from brokenness into wholeness, to cross this line of thinking, I'm such a failure and I messed up so much. And yeah, you have and so have I. But God's dealt with all of it. And he's inviting you to cross the line into celebration and to begin to walk in the joy of God. You know who you are. You know who you are. And if that's you today, that you want to cross that line, you've been in this mourning, weeping, broken, culpable, shame-filled place for weeks, for months, for years maybe, And today you say, I'm done with that. I want to cross into joy and celebration. If that's you today and you want to make that move, just stand up right now. Stand up, if that's you. And I said, this is not everybody. You know who you are. But you know that you want to make this move and enter into the freedom of God to be in the joy and the celebration that God gives. Oh, my friends, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it in you. And so everybody else that's seated right now, I rejoice with you that you are happy in the Lord in these moments, which means everybody in this room that's standing needs your help. And so I'm gonna invite everybody that's seated right now, would you stand up, put a hand on a shoulder on the back of somebody that was standing up that is asking for joy. And you, don't wait for me, you with your own words, start to speak the joy of God over their lives right now. Start to speak joy. Walk and find people. If there's anybody who who is alone and is not being touched by somebody else, make sure you put a hand on them. We want everybody in this room covered. And you start speaking the joy of God to them in this moment. Jesus, right now, we come and we thank you for all of these amazing people that have decided in this moment 
that they no longer want to walk in the culpability and in the shame and in the brokenness of past mistakes. But today, Lord Jesus, they are saying that they want joy and they want celebration in you. And so, Jesus, today, we say, let it be so. Minister new joy to them. Minister new hope to them. Minister a spirit of celebration to them. May they cross the boundary in this moment and no longer be ruled by the pain of the past, by the pain of their own mistakes, their own failures, their own shame. We release shame in the name of Jesus. We release guilt in the name of Jesus. We release this spiritual depression in the name of Jesus. We release, Lord God, all of the brokenness. We release all of it in this moment, the mourning. Be gone. Be gone. The weeping. Be gone. And if there are any tears, may these tears be now tears of joy of the Spirit of joy in each and every heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we declare it. We thank you, Jesus.